The Dime is sponsored by ETH Revolution. The cannabis industry has unique challenges, which means you need a multifaceted partner to help you navigate the landscape. ETH Revolution has a team of experienced science and business experts to provide a unique analytical approach, providing services from capital to cannabinoid and everything in between. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, my right-hand man, Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Ashley Grimes, cannabis nurse. Ashley, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing well. Excited to talk to another East Coaster. As the East Coast dominoes fall, Kellen becomes more and more of the minority. What's going on, Kellen? Not a whole lot. I'm just out here on the West Coast trying to hold down the massive surge from uh, the East Coast, it seems like. How are you doing, Brian? We're doing good. We're doing good. Excited to kind of dive in with Ashley. So Ashley, for our listeners that are unfamiliar with you, can you give a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. So I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for over, well, about 13 years. I have worked in traditional nursing settings most of my career. So like med surge, um, telemetry, um, and then I worked my way up. I got my master's degree at Towson University in nursing education. Whoop, whoop. And I ended up in leadership positions through the second half of my career. So uh, like a transition of practice program um, for new graduate nurses and working in corporate settings and things of that nature. All of that has been very rewarding and I've learned a lot, but definitely not where I want to spend the rest of my life. So I have taken on cannabis as my specialty, or I call myself an endocannabinoid specialty nurse, um, and have started a small business called Cannabis Nursing Solutions that offers training and consultation to nurses and other small businesses. And I'm excited to kind of learn more about that. So take us on that journey. Was there a certain part throughout your experience and your background where you realized you wanted to be in cannabis? Was it something you read? Was there an experience you had? Can you kind of share some more of those details? So my husband is actually a cannabis patient and has consumed cannabis since I've known him. And I wasn't against it, but I also knew that it wasn't like, I felt like it was like, Ooh, like we let's keep this under the radar. Let's not tell anybody, but really he was self-medicating. So I, I wanted to learn more about it at some point. And I decided to do some research. And when I discovered the endocannabinoid system, I was like, wait a minute, how am I a whole nurse and don't know about this whole bodily function? Like this does not make any sense. So for me, it was like super enlightening, but I also wanted to to like learn more. I wanted to research more. And that's actually how the training course came to be. It was literally my research pulled together and organized in the way that I understood it. And that's how I do stuff anyway. I learn it, rewrite it and recreate it for myself. And I was like, well, let's make it into a training course. I mean, that's the short, short story to that, but that's pretty much how it went down. From your circle with colleagues and things like that, are they open? Take us through like what the stigma is like in Maryland and, and kind of moving towards cannabis as your preferred practice. So when I first started this three years ago, it's very different than how it is today. Our medical program has evolved quite a bit. The general public is pretty aware that there is a medical program here now, whereas three years ago, it was kind of hush hush. It was under the radar if you knew, you knew kind of thing, right? So as my business is evolving, so is the industry here in Maryland. And then further, the nursing industry is becoming more and more involved. So back in 2018, which is around the conception of my business, 
the National Council for State Boards actually wrote some guidelines that supports cannabis as medicine for us to work under. And basically we call it NCSBN. They tell our boards of nursing, you know, what guidelines they need to follow. Now, all of nursing is not aware of this fact, but at the same time, when this is happening, my business is starting. So the slow like spread of this information has kind of evolved with my business at the same time. So to answer your question, in the beginning, everybody was like, girl, what you doing? And then now as time has gone on and I've like kind of honed in on my messaging, my mission, my vision, all that kind of stuff, because that's what happens when you you grow a small business. More and more people are starting to kind of understand where my perspective is as far as cannabis as medicine. It's not just me saying, hey, everybody just go smoke some weed. No, let's talk about, you know, um, like holistic medicine, holistic health, um, just general wellness healing altogether. So, you know, even when I have conversations, it's not just about the plant. It's about like, how do you modify your lifestyle to achieve wellness? I love it. And before we kind of dive into your business, I want to go through the the research a little more. When you were kind of learning about the endocannabinoid system, was there anything that you kind of stumbled across that surprised you that you'd like to share? I think that the fact that it exists was the surprising fact. You know, we have a whole course in our nursing program that teaches about pathophysiology, right? So most disease processes, we have some understanding of, you know, like cardiomyopathy, you know, like we understand the what, the why, and how it interacts with the body. Um, So that's standard for all nurses to know. And some people know more about it. Some people know less about it. Like that's the way it works, um, depending on how much research you do about it. So when I was learning about the endocannabinoid system, that wasn't surprising. It's like, oh, it's a neuroreceptor system. Okay. I get it. That these neurons attach to this receptor system, it binds, and then it has a specific set of responses. To me, that should, that should be standard nursing knowledge. Everybody should know that. All nurses should know that when they're talking to their patients, they should be able to reflect on that fact and be able to critically think through their interactions with their patient. And that's the piece that for me is more surprising is that is not standard knowledge and that there has been some awareness of this system since at least 1990 and well before that as well, but we'll stick with 1990. From a generalization standpoint, like, you know, what percentage of nurses would you say are aware of the endocannabinoid system? Oh, uh, maybe, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's, And I'm not, I don't know every nurse out here and what their knowledge base is, but in my interactions, most people are surprised about uh, the fact that there is an endocannabinoid system. And the nurses across the country that are part of organizations that I'm affiliated with, um, I would guess about maybe 2,000 across the country. And that doesn't even, that's probably like 5% of nurses because there's millions of us. Kellen, dive in there. Endocannabinoid system, I feel like is going to be such a hot topic in the, the next, let's say, six to 18 months as people kind of uncover this. Is mm-hmm. that statistic surprising from your perspective, Kellen? No, I mean, it's not taught, right? So it's not something that's required to become a nurse right. or even a doctor at that point. So um, it doesn't surprise me that it's not, not taught. I will say, though, that hopefully more individuals take on the challenge of learning it on their own, like Ashley has, because it, it's daunting when you have to go out and learn something that isn't required for you to actually do your day-to-day job. But it's it's kind of a double-sided sword because the more and more research that comes out associated with the endocannabinoid system, we're learning that it's it's tied to more and more 
really important bodily functions, right? It's tied to homeostasis. It's tied to regulating our moods, to regulating our hunger. And so hopefully as the scientific research and the body of primary literature builds around it, the best thing that could happen to the industry is that medical schools take on the the challenge of developing a standard curriculum for the endocannabinoid system across the board. It's required to become a nurse. It's required to become a doctor. And I think efforts like Ashley's are the going to be the tip of the spear, if you will. So kind of expanding into that, if there only was a training course that kind of provided the resources, <laughs> Ashley, you kind of share some details about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Like I said, the, the training course was developed just out of my my need to organize and, and frame it in a way that made sense to me. So that's what I did. But it goes through some of the history related to to cannabis, you know, because it does have a long history and the United States has its very intimate ties with the plant, which has led us through this prohibition and up until now. And it talks about the endocannabinoid system. It's, it's still very basic. There's more information out there, but, you know, it's just enough. So... Um, the nurse can implement cannabis into their personal practice. We talk about plant genetics, so the terpenes, the cannabinoids. Uh, we talk about uh, methods of dosing and considerations for that and understanding that it it is a patient-driven practice, which is something that nurses are very uncomfortable with because of the way our healthcare system works. And just, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff in, embedded in it, but very important stuff. The focus is implementing into your practice, your current practice. So we do things called treatment care planning for almost every disease process. And we come up with what's called a nursing diagnosis for almost every disease process. And our standard of care is based on that treatment care plan. So basically, it gives them the tools to be able to implement into their care. Is it from an educational level? Is this for more of the advanced crowd, more of the, the entry? Like, where would you put somebody on the spectrum who's, let's say, newer to the space, interested in the medicine aspect? You know, can you kind of take us through who the, the training program was created for? It's created for the nurse who um, is just interested in learning about the plant. So ideally, though, the training course is intended for um, hospitals. So if a nurse was sitting in orientation or something like that, it would be part of their training. That's great. And it's one of the, the areas that we found is like a big struggle is that there aren't resources for these doctors who are, let's say, interested, but are unsure of where to go. So, so Kellen, from your perspective, we've had conversations with other doctors that are, that are pro-cannabis medicine. Like what other resources outside of what Ashley's bringing to the table do you think are beneficial to kind of help overall move the message forward? Um, as far as resources to help move the message forward, I would say the only real resources would be a stage and a platform for them to kind of communicate what they're finding in the real world, right? So that would be the only like conferences at this point is really the only resource that is available to them to go kind of push their message forward. I mean, as far as like pushing the message forward, that's the only research resource. And as far as resources go in terms of furthering our knowledge base. The only thing out there is just getting your hands dirty, right? And doing it yourself and actually going out and doing the work and and working with people that are consuming cannabis as a medicine that are self-medicating and all of those things. Can you think of anything else, Brian, from your perspective? Partnering maybe with like organizations like the CESC trying to help change the narrative are are others that are just taking on that, you know, that gigantic fight of, of changing the message. And actually, I want to ask you, do you get pushback? Obviously, you know, cannabis is still kind of new specifically here in the East Coast. 
there's got to be some doctors or nurses who are like, Ashley, like cannabis, are you kidding? What's that like? So part of the evolution of me and my business has been around just being able to accept that people are where they are, you know, and if you're not really ready to hear what it is that I have to say, and a lot of people aren't, I'm okay with it. But, you know, at least I'll be able to plant the seed. I've started the conversation. And when you are ready to hear it, you'll remember that cannabis nursing solutions exist. Ashley was the one who told you that. And you'll come back. And it's happened a lot. (laughs) I can imagine. Change takes time, too. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the the biggest, let's say, negative pushback that that others provide? I I think on this pod, specifically for my side, we always harp on a lot of the positives. And I want to hear more of the negatives, what others are bringing to the table saying, Ashley, what about this? So the one that kind of stands out in my mind was a young lady. She was a nurse who was telling me that I was trying to kill her son because like cannabis is a gateway drug. And um... (laughs) how do you respond to that? Um, I just said, oh, okay. I, you know, my apologies. I'm not trying to kill your son. And, you know, we just kind of disconnect at that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's reading off like the 1982 dare script, right? Cannabis is a gateway drug, right? Like, that's exactly in, what she's Stay doing. in school. And it's like, just uh, say no. <laughs> that's got to be such an uncomfortable experience. I mean, at that point, you're, you just got to be like hard pass. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. So at that time, when when that comment came up, I was like, oh, God, like, you know, do people really think this? You know, I started questioning what and why I was doing what I was doing. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of where I was and where I am today has a lot to do with just having the self-confidence to stand firm in what I know to be true. And um, when I run into those type of conversations, just walking away, knowing that it's just not their time to hear this, this information. And I'm okay with that, you know? It's almost like you're picking a fight with you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And kind of just pulling out that, like, I'm not debating with you about it because it's not a debate. It's just not. And that's just the end of the conversation as far as I'm concerned. It's been stigmatized for so long. So someone like that, obviously it's a, it's, it's not even a challenge, right? It's like, an impo- it's an impossible barrier to overcome if their first mm-hmm. response is like, you're trying to kill your son. I mean, your role as a nurse is to essentially help people. So if, mm-hmm. if her, the words out of her mouth or you're trying to kill my son, clearly there's a disconnect from where to go. So, I mean, there's no doubt that unfortunately that's part of the process and, you know, hat tip for you for continuing to fight the good fight. So Kind of switching gears a little bit. Let's talk about some of these conferences. Uh, I've seen you pretty active in the in the speaker circuits, and I'd love to kind of hear some of the topics you've been discussing and any any ideas that are really at the forefront of your mind. Um. So topics, whatever is relevant to me at that time. Like I am so okay with just talking about whatever is on my mind. And again, it goes back to like just kind of building, you know, who I am and what it is that I'm trying to communicate. So at this stage in the game is is an acknowledgement of nurses in the space, is the an acknowledgement of underrepresented populations, um, black and brown women in the space is an acknowledgement of, you know, the endocannabinoid system for nurses. So those are the the things that kind of stand out to me right now. And, you know, just understanding the, the system of healthcare and how it fits into the entire construct of our society and just kind of making that relevant to people and understanding like, you know, where this plant is going. So, you know, it's just interesting to me that we call the plant medicine, but our healthcare systems aren't involved with it. And it has a lot to do with the the way that our system is set up. 
Um, it's leaning more towards capitalism and it's not, you know, taking on healthcare aspect of it as much um, as I think that it should because of the impact that it could have on people. So that's pretty much the narrative that I, I like to communicate in different regards and, you know, different ways and perspectives of looking at that big concept, you know? So that's usually where I kind of hit. That's the tunnel I usually head down. I, I don't focus on disease specific. You know, a lot of my nurse counterparts, they're like, oh, I'm an expert in diabetes and all that kind of stuff. I didn't do that in my, my career. I was a med surgeon nurse, so I knew everything, a little bit about everything. You know, um, I worked in corporate, so I understood healthcare systems and project management and implementation and things like that. So um, I take that approach and I apply it to cannabis. Kaylin, do you want to dive in there? I know pharma is one of your biggest uh, enemies that you like to attack. So from a healthcare standpoint. I would say it's not an enemy. <laughs> I just don't agree with the current model that they follow to deliver potentially life-saving drugs to the masses, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the, it's a sticky subject, right? Because at the end of the day, modern medicine in the Western world specifically America, is driven by making money, Absolutely. right? It's a business, right? Mm-hmm. So from every single standpoint, they need to make money. Are there... Do they take advantage of the kind of monopoly that they have? Of course, I believe that for sure. Is there individuals who wield... Individuals or groups who wield significant amounts of power within those organizations, driving decisions that probably aren't for the the welfare of society, most likely. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's the only thing we have, right? I guess yeah. that's, it's kind of like a brand at this point. I was honestly thinking about it while you're talking. And it's like, there is a lot of individuals that just go into the hospital and accept whatever that doctor says to them as like the word of God. Absolutely. Right? And it's like a lot of people don't even think that, oh, maybe I should go get a second opinion at this other hospital or, or all these other things. They go in and it's like, no, this this is the word of God. So I'm kind of ranting right now, but like <laughs> the hospital system goes and, and how that relates to to cannabis. And, and again, I think that potentially there is a place for cannabis in the medical system. It's just going to be a really challenging moment, I guess you could say, within the development of... The, the hospital and our medical system because at the heart of it, cannabis is the complete opposite of how pharmaceutical industry has been treating diseases for the last 50 plus years in terms of one single molecule, the API, this molecule is what treats this disease. Mm-hmm. But what we're finding with cannabis is that it's not cut and dry. It's this poly molecule, poly molecule system that seems to work the best, right? I mean, Perfect example is with Epidiolex, right? It's a combination of THC and CBD, two molecules together that are actually what's helping individuals with schizophrenia, that type of schizophrenia. I'm not exactly sure the specific type of that schizophrenia off the top of my head. But that I think is a really positive thing for society is as we ho- hopefully it opens the door to all these other potential drug interactions that could enhance our ability to treat diseases in the future. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting because I think healthcare is is antiquated at this point. It hasn't really evolved with society. So you're right. Like the way that we treat medicine is, you know, is outdated. You know, prescribing a medication for every single thing that somebody comes in with isn't necessarily conducive. Like we complain a lot of times about the fact that our older adults aren't taking all their pills 
why do they have so many pills? Right. You know, like when there are other ways that we can consider, not saying that it is the way to fix things, but there are other considerations that could be a little bit more conducive to a person's lifestyle. We talk about it in nursing all the time. Um, you know, how do we get a person to make a lifestyle change? We're going to tell them and teach them and educate them. And then all of a sudden they're going to change their life. It don't work that way. You know, so just the acknowledgement from the powers who be, who drive our healthcare systems, you know, it needs to be a realization that our society has changed fundamentally. And the way that you interact with your nursing staff, which they're still running around here talking about is the millennials is doing everything wrong. It ain't the millennials doing everything wrong is is our Gen X's that's coming in and, you know, making these major changes because they're the ones who have grown up with technology at their fingertips from the moment that they were born. So, you know, even beyond just the, the plant medicine, we need to change the way that healthcare looks at the, their customer who is the patient and they're re- largely refusing to do that all back to capitalism and we can kind of dive into that oh, yeah, another time because like that that <laughs> one is such a is such a negative rabbit hole right because then the day you're right as you go to see your doctor their role is to help you and and tell them like you were saying like most probably don't challenge the doctor and be like hey i don't really want mm-hmm. that but and then actually coming back to you is if i'm let's say open to cannabis medicine right but my doctor is not really interested or isn't going to prescribe that to me is it on the patient then to kind of ask the doctor for guidance or do you need to go seek out a specific doctor that specializes in cannabis medicine in order to be afforded let's say that is an option to kind of suit a need yeah technically it is it's up to the patient to advocate for themselves and back to the original point a lot of times patients don't have the confidence to you know suggest this thing for their doctor because of the stigma, because the doctor is considered God in a sense. So, um, you know, now the patient is sitting there thinking or considering or doing something without any, any guidance or support, um, or even the proper education, the cannabis culture is real. And the information that's spread amongst culture, the culture isn't always a hundred percent accurate. It's so important, right? And and I wish for everyone that's hearing this to feel more comfortable in sharing that information because medically there is opportunities to say, if I don't want to take X, I can take Y. And if that's the, the path you want, you have to be more vocal. So Ashley, for those people who are, let's say, interested or intrigued, but don't know any information or not really sure about what is, let's say, the minimal line of information to know, what would you share with them as someone who's interested in kind of approaching cannabis as a medicine for the first time with their doctor? Um, I generally suggest that when they talk about it with their doctor, they ask their doctor the question, what is an endocannabinoid system? And have- start. <laughs> Your point, please. I mean, you, yeah. you might stump many doctors. That might be, is, yeah. there, is there a second line in case they, they have some sort of formidable response? Well, if the if the patient is already aware, then they can they can absolutely educate their doctor once they get. I don't know. So the thing about um, the personality of the average physician, I'm not saying all, but they tend to want to know it all because they feel like that they are the ones who are supposed to be knowing it all. So if you approach them with a question that they can't answer, they'll be more likely to receive whatever the answer is. If you think you know the answer. Right because you don't already put them in a place where they're uncomfortable because they're supposed to know the answer, right? And then they can do their research after they've met with the patient. I'm going to research the endocannabinoid system. And now they have that in their toolkit. They can come back around to the patient. And now it might be 
most likely it'll be more of an open conversation about what to do next, where to go. And hopefully that doctor can provide the guidance that like meshes with their medical expertise and their understanding of the plan. Love it. So let's kind of continue on that same path. I saw that you wrote a book and I'd love to kind of hear more about that. Can you kind of share some details? Yeah. So it's a children's book, actually. It's called Aces Medicine. And it was inspired by my work in Maryland. We have a bill here that allows medical cannabis in schools. It passed in early 2020. And after it passed, they needed somebody to work on a work group that knew about cannabis to help develop guidelines for the implementation of the bill. So I was able to participate in that. I contributed and it's published with the um, with the public guidelines, which is really cool. But I still had really, I had a lot of questions about the social impact. Like, you know, in, in the, this scenario, the child who's attending school, who's taking the medical cannabis is technically my patient, right? And that patient is potentially interacting with my child, right? Like I have a child in Maryland schools. So my head automatically went to, okay, as the parent, what would I want my kid to know when they're interacting with this other child? You know, as a nurse, what would the school nurse need to do to help advocate for this child in school? Because that's what they do in the school setting. We give them their asthma inhaler. So we're also going to give them their medical cannabis in school and you teach about it on a regular day. So why not this? Um, the interaction with the teacher and then the other children's response to this because the children only know what their parents have taught them. So if their parents are looking at cannabis from an antiquated standpoint, that's what they're passing on to their children. So the likelihood of that child bullying another child because of their differences, quote unquote, I think is pretty significant. So anyway, the children's book touches on all of that in like 20 pages. (laughs) But um, just very simple terms, colorful graphics about a child who goes to school and some other child comes up to him and says, oh, my gosh, you're taking medical marijuana. And they briefly touch on the stigma. You kind of see that the teacher's response, him and the school nurse come and teach the class about cannabis um, in just a couple of sentences. And and that's pretty much it. And the child's name is Asa and he comes home and he's proud because he taught the class something new. I think that's an incredible story. And for someone who's a, a constant reader of children's stories nowadays, it, it's really important, the bylines of the, the hidden meanings within it. Obviously, the, the son, or at least my son, isn't understanding the different concepts. But I think one of the things that surprised me about children's books is that there's takeaways for the parents in there, too. And I think absolutely one of the, the, the benefits of your book is that you're kind of changing the narrative for the parents who are reading this book and realizing Medical cannabis is no different than the inhaler, exactly like you described. And if we're depriving children and and others of this medical ability, I mean, it's really it's really sad. And I think it's really really powerful that you've taken that approach because I think it's not done enough at like a simple fundamental level. And I'm curious to hear or to see other parents who read this and then start wondering to themselves, like maybe we should start changing the stigma. Kellen, your thoughts. I agree with everything you said. I just have another quick question though for Ashley. I was with, I was thinking, how challenging was it to distill that message down into a couple sentences and communicate that in like one or two sentences? Because it's kind of a complex topic. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is. So it was, it was, it was such a challenge getting just the the story concise. But I mentioned that I have a daughter. So she actually helped me. 
So oh, I would, when I, yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote it out and I was like, does this make sense to you? And she's like, no, what are you talking about? And, and, you know, and at the time she was only 10. So she's like, no. And I would explain it to her. And she's like, oh no, you can write it like this. And now I understand oh, wow. it. Yeah. So that's, that's the only reason why I was able to figure that, that, such that a cool piece story. of it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like, man, that must be so tough. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of moving parts in that story, right? Between the parent, the student, the nurse. I, I mean, there's endless people that, and you all have to communicate like a central message and also mm-hmm. take them through the the climax of like maybe not being sure and then being sure towards the end in very limited pages. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I, I do get feedback sometimes. It's like, well, that's not enough or nobody understands what that is. And it's like, if I explained every single word, if I, you know, broke down, it wouldn't be a children's book anymore. Nope. It wouldn't even be an adult book. People would just okay. be like, I'm not reading that. Be a dictionary. Right. Yeah. All right. So slightly switching gears. Heroes <laughs> or mentors in the cannabis space. I think everyone, as they kind of go through their career, always has one person that's made a massive difference and helped change them or helped get them to where they were. Is there anyone in your life, Ashley, that's made a substantial difference that you can kind of share a story about? There are some a lot of core people that uh, have helped me through my evolution. So, I mean, to break it down into one person is kind of hard, but um, I'll stick with, I guess, the simplest and most obvious person. That would be my husband. So my husband is the one who encourages me daily. He's the one that has supported all of my crazy ideas. And I come up with quite a bit of them, including the children's book. Babe, today I'm going to write a children's book. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, um, and, and, and those moments come more often than not, but you know, the biggest piece of it is knowing who I am and him being okay with that, because the way that I look at the world has changed significantly since I've discovered this endocannabinoid system. Um, you know, just understanding what true homeostasis is and real wellness and implementing that into my life has uh, changed me quite a bit. And for him to go down this roller coaster with me has been just nothing short of magical. I'll use that term um, because a lot of people don't like to see things change. Beautiful. Since you've been in the cannabinoid industry, the biggest misconception. That I smoke weed all day. Yeah. is you know, I, I have, and I do occasionally, um, I microdose. I'll try different things just to experience it. Like, you know, my recent experiment was with this cannabis honey and I would take a very, very small amount every day. And it was amazing. I loved it. But you know, most people are like, oh, it's great because you get all this free weed. And I'm like, eh, I mean, I do get stuff for free sometimes, but I'm not really in it for that, you know? And no, I'm not high right now. And you probably won't see me high unless I, I decide to overindulge, but I probably won't. It's all about intentional use and consumption for me. All about it. Mm-hmm. You could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on the next generation. What would it be? Continue evolving. Don't be okay with the status quo. Don't be okay with the way that things are handed to you today because the way that they're handed to you today is based on the circumstances of today. So whatever it is that you have going for you in the future, make it into your own world. Evolve it. Create it. Make it grow. All right. Prediction time. Okay. Ashley, what would you change today so that in five years, in 2026, 
would help healthcare providers understand the massive benefits of medical cannabis? I don't know. I feel like that's a bigger question than you make it seem. It's hard. <laughs> um, what would I change today? I would just, nursing programs would have a cannabis topic embedded in their med search program or something. I don't know. Some sort of education is already infused in, in our nurse training. Going. I would say that, I mean, it's tough because that's probably the, the best answer, right? But I would say, you know, that the endocannabinoid system is actively being developed in med school and nursing school and all of our medical professions that the masses put faith in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be probably the best development that would kind of expedite all of the good things that come with using cannabis as a medicine and and all the things that we haven't yet discovered in terms of the potential associated with it. So those that would be my answer just to piggyback on Ashley. Brian, um, I, I don't know if you can do another piggyback. So I think you have to think of something original here. <laughs> <laughs> I would make the masses read Ashley's book. I think in 20 Ooh. pages, she's spilling multiple myths across multiple departments and in a children's book. So like conceptually, Everyone can understand the simple terms of what's going on and the ability to kind of compare and contrast and then evolve the characters as they understand what's going on, I think would make a big difference. And I think, at least in my perspective, when you create a book like that and it's intended for a child, as a parent, when you're reading about it, you naturally think about what's going on and then kind of dissect. At least that's how I handle the children's book. And I wonder to myself, how would I perceive this? And I, you know, I'm just thinking about it out loud. I would assume if my son needed medical cannabis for whatever, and we were helping provide that, I would never want my child bullied no matter what. And even more so from a medical standpoint, especially one that makes a difference. So I think kind of dispelling myths in a children's book, I think it's a beautiful way of taking the older generation, simplifying the information saying, Hey guy, like get off your, your, your couch and like your high horse, like take a look at this, then let me know what you think. So that's the route I would go. Is that original enough for you, Kellen? That was so beautiful. Oh, <laughs> okay, clap. Hell yeah. <laughs> so actually, for, for those who want to learn more, they want to get in touch, where can they reach you? Um, cannabis Nursing Solutions, LLC.com. Awesome. And you can email me at uh, gratitude at Cannabis Nursing Solutions, LLC.com. Awesome. And we'll link it up in the show notes. And everyone who has a young child out there, go buy Ashley's book. We'll link it in the show notes also. Thanks for your time, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.